What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. The real thing? Coca-Cola CEO James Quincy. Inflation, skipping the Super Bowl, and a toast to new spins on old favorites. The next big phase of this experiment is the launch of uh, Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola. So Jack and Coke is coming in a, in a premix can. And spilling the tea on Sumner Redstone's media empire. New York Times columnist Jim Stewart has a new book on the makings of Paramount Global and it's an intrigue to rival HBO. It is very much like Succession, although I have to say, Logan Roy has nothing compared to Sumner Redstone. Plus, we're still obsessed with flying objects. Tesla workers unionize, job changes at the White House, and NBC wants the NBA back again. Still unclear what the ultimate price tag would be. Here's a hit. It's going to be high. It is February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. Then love is in the air. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. Happy Valentine's Day. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. First up on the podcast today, a metric key for the Federal Reserve and your wallet, the Consumer Price Index. It's a measure of inflation out every month. And January's number came in today, 6.4% year-over-year gain. Now, U.S. inflation, which hit a 42-year high in June, has been slowly cooling down since then. The 6.4% climb this January, compared to January of last year, is one-tenth of a percent slower than December's rate. This means inflation is still following a trend of moderation, though the pace of moderation seems to be easing. Our own Steve Leisman gave us the bottom line. And this all sort of underscores this idea, which has been coming from the Fed, that the road to disinflation is going to be a bumpy one. We've got some people moves at the White House. We do? Yeah, people shifting around, changing jobs. Well, from the Fed to the White House. I want to tell some people, folks, about it. She the White House shuffling its economic team. political all along? Well, that's where we're going to go with this conversation. <laughs> President Biden reportedly now set to name federal vice chair uh, Leo Brainerd to serve as chair of his National Economic Council. An official announcement is expected this week. Brainerd will succeed Brian Deese, who's planning to step down uh, later this month. But I imagined it would open up a conversation at the table about the political nature of uh, or not. That shows well, Plus, up. the Fed seems like a pretty big job. Well, Vice Chair of the Fed. It does. Fed. Vice Chair of the Fed. It's a job I wouldn't necessarily walk away from. Right. We, in fact, we are so... We're not losers, but we already had a long conversation about this. And that's the first time thing we... <laughs> Valentine's Day, we're talking about, wow, I wonder... If the, but, but the Fed does imbue you with a lot of credibility, and it's like Janet Yellen. Because I, I think 
think of him or hers. Uh, and then the Treasury, Treasury Secretary is pretty good. But look at Austin Goolsbee. He used to be a guy in, a, in an eight box. That's what he was With to us me. on Jobs Friday. Yeah, yeah, that I used to, you know, make bets with about and tacos. now he's on the board. Now he's like Mr. You know, Chicago. He and says, you've got to call him. me Mr. President. Now we never hear from him. We, so, and we'll never get him back in an eight box. We'll never get him back. Which would you prefer? <laughs> but, you, huh? Would you prefer to be the vice chair of the Fed? I, That's I, what I was thinking. I'd rather be the vice chair much of the better. Fed. Much better, yes. Or would you prefer to be in the White House right now? The White House has its own perks and stuff. And then the question is also, how long do you get to... Where can you be? Maybe she wants to make a difference. Maybe she wants to make a difference. uh, And she thinks she can... And then the question is, where do you 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 make make more of a difference? difference? Well, right. at the Fed, you just got to nod when Jay Powell talks. It's got to be 13-0 every time. And she's been pretty outspoken as the (laughs) vice chair of the Fed. And then, if you're at the White House, you kind of have to do what what they want you to do. That's true, too. We might need someone. Brian We've had great conversations with, but he's doing what's, you know... I mean, this is a big job she's getting now because they got so much money to spend right. with with the Chips Act and with the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah, um, but I name. listened to everything she said as vice chair too. It's, right. You know. But now they got to implement those things because you know why? Because nothing else is happening for the next two years. Zippo. No more money. No, there hasn't been a single bill passed, and there probably won't be. Tesla workers in New York State are reportedly launching a unionization campaign. Bloomberg reports the employees who labeled data for Tesla's autopilot technology at the company's Buffalo plant want better pay and job security, along with curbing workplace monitoring and metrics. Workers at the plant told Bloomberg that Tesla monitors keystrokes to track how long employees spend per task and how much they spend actively working. The workers sent an email to Elon Musk with their intent to unionize, I believe, this morning. And I also believe uh, those helping them with the unionization efforts, Andrew, are the first same ones who were helping Starbucks employees and at and the Amazon. Buffalo stores yep. too. Comcast, uh, NBC Universal, our parent company, of course, preparing to make a, quote, aggressive offer to win back NBA broadcasting rights after more than 20-year hiatus. The NBA cannot formally begin negotiations with the other companies, or I should say companies other than Warner Brothers Discovery and Disney before April 2024, unless they waive their exclusive negotiation rights. Apple, Amazon uh, have also expressed interest in buying rights to the NBA. Still unclear what the ultimate price tag would be. It would be a, a big deal. Here's a, here's a hit. Uh, it's going to be high. It's going to be high. And then the question, of course, idea. is, you know, do, does an Apple or an Amazon try to use it as a, effectively a loss leader for so much of their other yes, business? Yes, which is what they've, and they've, if that's they've the already case, done with some of these things. Can some of the broadcasters, like an NBC, Disney obviously wants to keep it. I would love it. I you mean, can, for so I, I many reasons, because that's, that's, you know, I, I, the NBA is the one thing that I love it. more than anything. I hope and as do. a child, I used to watch, did you ever watch uh, NBA Inside Stuff? No. On NBC in the mornings, on Saturday, with but, Ahmad Rashad and Willow Bay, wife now Bob of, Iger, uh, yeah. of Bob Iger. It was a ball. Then it was on ABC. I think they, they moved that show over. But yeah, I, well, it would be so great. It might cost us a, a, you know. Well, there's content that's not, that you can't watch still, which is why in this day and age is there content, because I tried to watch last night. My, my daughter went to uh, the game last, you know, to try to take a little bit of the pain off of Sunday. So yeah. she went to the Sixers-Rockets uh, game last night. Blew out the rocket, nine, 19 points or something. And you couldn't find it anywhere? No. Fubo. I don't even know what that is. Oh, um, I actually paid for Fubo just so we could get some of the Sixers games. Right. Like, but, put, but it's a lot. It's NBC, like a hundred and something. Put it on somewhere. We got like a million different. Isn't I just can't believe I couldn't find. I looked on ESPN Plus. I looked everywhere. And the and I signed dra- up for Fubo. Everything is worth more. 
and right. because of DraftKings. I had a bet on the Sixers last. Everything's worth more, and I wanted to watch it. But it does, couldn't. going back to your point, Andrew, it does go back to when the NFL was lost by CBS to Fox because right. it was worth more to Fox than it was right. to CBS at that point. And then the other question is, could they split up the rights in some other way, creative way Which, that they have the way the NFL has yeah. done with a lot of this stuff? Right. And the Senate's going to receive a, a classified briefing on the three unidentified objects shot down by the U.S. military uh, since Friday. It, the Biden administration continues to face scrutiny over its response to these objects. And Secretary of State Antony Blinken is considering meeting China's top diplomat at the Munich Security Conference starting this week. Is that this week? Um, and that is according, we keep saying this according to, they love that, writers. According to a report from uh, Reuters, Blinken postponed a planned trip to Beijing after the Chinese surveillance balloon was downed uh, near South Carolina uh, on February 4th. We, yesterday, it was early on, and we said there's a less than zero chance that these are UFOs, and no one's saying they're, they're UFOs. No one's even... No, but the way the all day way long, was answered uh, in no, the press no, no, conference but, but Fox, is going to lead this is, so Listen to where I'm going to this. Yeah. Fox yesterday. Yeah. All day long. And I didn't watch it all day long, but the times I did, lower third. Won't say whether they're UFOs. <laughs> so uh, over the weekend, he said, I'm not going to comment on what these are. Right. You know what Fox takes that right. to. So won't wait, say whether these are, you're won't say, watching right. like Martha, won't say with, it's like, come on. I mean, really, will you do anything to? <laughs> you know how this is going to play into the conspiracy. I want to know how it impacts what's going on at the border, because I, I thought Fox was going to tie that uh, uh, to it. Yeah, somehow. this is a different take. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. The alien, you know, they're going to conflate the, the term alien probably. Coming up, uh, the market's gearing up. Uh, for the consumer pricing. You say never trash competitors, is, is what you say, right? That's my view. Well, it's, this isn't trashing. This is just poking a little fun. So you think the New York Post is right up there with the New York Times, in your mind? You would never? I, I love what the New York Post <laughs> does and what they are trying to do. I think they're okay. doing a different thing than some of the other newspapers are trying Wait to do. Wait a minute. Different how? Accurate info, like the laptop? or, or the, So they're not bearing uh, bad info. So that's the different way. <laughs> you walked right into that. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, one Super Bowl ad we did not see, Coca-Cola. Coke CEO James Quincy and the ad strategy his iconic brand is betting on. We're certainly part of the long-term trend uh, to see the mix shifting from television uh, to digital types of, of media. Uh, but for us as well, we've been increasing uh, our investments in experiential uh, marketing as well. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 
This is Squawk Pod. Today with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Becky. All right, everybody, welcome back. Coca-Cola out with quarterly results. Adjusted earnings came in at 45 cents a share. That matched what the street was anticipating. Revenue came in better than expected, $10.1 billion. The stock right now up by about 40 cents. And joining us is Coke CEO James Quincy. Uh, James, good morning to you. Um, Better than expected number, at least on the top line. Um, But there are a lot of questions people have about what's going on behind the scenes. I know your operating margins were higher than they had been in in the year ago quarter. What happened? What what are you dealing with on the plus side? What what are some of the headwinds you're facing right now? Yeah, sure. Morning. Um, We we had a good finish to the year. Our our momentum that we generated uh, uh, in the year carried through into the fourth quarter. Uh, we like our reinvestment uh, in increased marketing, in increased innovation, increased execution. Uh, so that was really driving the business. Yes, in the fourth quarter, uh, of course, we still have the suspension of our business uh, in Russia. And there were mobility-related restrictions in, in some countries, particularly China, in the fourth quarter. Uh, but we were able to continue our momentum despite that. So we were very pleased with the year. Uh, obviously, uh, as we look into 23, we're, we're, we're going to see some deceleration, uh, a moderation in the macros. Uh, but we're confident that the momentum we've generated will carry us through and we'll have another strong year. What are you seeing so far this year? Is China opening up and does that make a difference? Yeah, we see China opening up. It, it makes a difference. Uh, uh, China's, China's an important uh, market for us. The, 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 the release in the restrictions um, obviously did generate uh, a wave of COVID infections. But if you look at domestic travel and domestic activity uh, in the beginning of the year in China, uh, many features got back to near, uh, back to 2019 levels, not necessarily all of them, uh, but a big bounce back, not unlike what happened in the US and Europe once the restrictions uh, came off. So we think there's a very similar trend uh, going to play out uh, in China and, and it'll be much more normalized by the time to get into the, the second quarter and beyond into the rest of the year. So we see that playing out uh, in the coming weeks and therefore we've had a good start to the year. Ultimately, at the highest level, our, our momentum from last year uh, has carried through so far into January this year. Uh, so despite all the pluses and minuses out there in the world, uh, our strategy has allowed us to, to carry that momentum and that confidence forward so far into 2023. Coca-Cola HBC, which is the Switzerland headquartered company that you guys own a 20% stake in, was out with its earnings earlier today too. And it said that it's going to have to increase prices this year to, to tackle some higher costs. Are you, are you seeing some of those same pressures? Yes, there, there's still a number of cost pressures uh, out there, uh, particularly uh, in some parts of the world, whether they be inflationary emerging markets um, uh, like Argentina, uh, like Turkey, or some of the developed markets uh, like Europe, there are still inflationary pressures from cost uh, and wages out there. Uh, Having said that, we do see uh, that inflation is likely to moderate as we go through the year, uh, and therefore we expect the rate at which prices are going to increase is going to start uh, to moderate and become a bit more normal uh, by the end of the year. But there certainly is some pressure uh, in the system uh, at the beginning of the year. You, you guys had raised prices last year, too. That's part of the reason that, that your margins look so good at this point. Um, did you see any pushback from consumers? Is there hesitancy to buy? What do, you, what do you think just how the consumer's feeling? Because we keep hearing that we're headed for a downturn. Yeah, I think the, the consumer uh, generally is quite resilient. Um, the, the, the price increases uh, have been passed through. Of course, course, uh, offsetting the price increases, there has been a, a, a tremendous amount of stimulus uh, injected into the economies in one way, shape or form around the world. 
um, and that money is, is sitting out there with consumers and, and wages too uh, have been going up at a slightly higher rate uh, than historic, although not as, as fast as inflation. So on one hand, prices have been going up, uh, but the other hand, there is money uh, in the consumer's pocket going in uh, to their bank accounts. I think everyone expects uh, that to start being depleted through the year, uh, uh, but also in parallel to say see wages uh, um, continue to grow and inflation come down. So there is a, there is a scenario of a, a gently softening economy that runs in parallel. Uh, having said that, clearly the lower income consumers are under pressure uh, and depending which industry and which category you're in, you're seeing some down trading and downsizing. Um, we can see that in, in categories like water uh, and some of the juice categories. Yeah. But overall for us, uh, we've maintained strong strength in our business because we, we believe that if we invest uh, in the marketing innovation, in affordability uh, on our core brands, getting the right package and price point, uh, we can continue to can keep consumers in our franchise. Uh, and that's what's happened so far. Well, let's, let's talk about that marketing budget. You are talking about spending more, but you didn't have an ad in the Super Bowl this year. Pepsi did. Um, and I don't think you're advertising anymore or marketing anymore on, on Twitter. So if you're spending more, where are those dollars going? Where do you think you're getting the most bang for your buck? Um, we've, we've certainly continued to you know, spend our marketing money across a broad range of channels. Uh, we, we use virtually, virtually all uh, types of media, TV, radio, outdoor, uh, uh, social media, uh, digital channels. And uh, we've been spending more money uh, in experiment, uh, experiential uh, uh, type marketing. So we use a broad range. Of course, we're balancing uh, where we think we will get the best engagement with consumers, where we'll get the best response, uh, where the brands will be most engaged uh, relative to the cost of buying, uh, bu buying marketing, uh, buying media in those channels. Uh, and that's always an ongoing uh, calculation uh, that we do. Uh, and we ultimately see the opportunity to continue to spend uh, more marketing to engage with consumers, and it is broad-based for us. Is it a situation where you think you're spending more digitally year over year or more on some of the old line advertising? Uh, in, in most of the developed countries, developed economies, uh, and some of the, the, the kind of the emerging markets, uh, we have seen a continued shift towards digital spending uh, in general relative to TV. So cert we're certainly part of the long-term trend uh, to see the mix shifting from television uh, to digital types of, of media. Uh, but for us as well, we've been increasing uh, our investments in experiential uh, marketing as well. So that trend has been going on and we foresee it continuing uh, into, into 23. James, I think Coca-Cola gets about a third of its business um inside the U.S. So the strong dollar is a big impact. Where, you think we've seen the highest of the strong dollar? Or are you worried that, that that trend could continue too? Um, I wish I knew the answer to that question. Uh, that would make all of our lives a lot easier. Um, <laughs> clearly, clearly, we make almost 80%. The revenue is slightly more skewed to the U.S., but the profits are, uh, are almost 80% outside uh, the U.S. So it, it matters a lot to us. Um, clearly, uh, the other piece of the equation that matters is not just does the dollar strengthen, uh, but what is the, the, the global rate of inflation and is that offsetting uh, the, the strengthening of the dollar? There was certainly a period in our history uh, where we had a strengthening dollar and no global inflation. That was very painful for the, uh, for the Coke company, for the Coke shareholders in terms of earnings. Uh, at the moment, we're see we've seen recently the dollar strengthen, but also our ability uh, to take pricing internationally to offset 
uh, that position, which is why we had a good result uh, in 2022 when the dollar strengthened materially for us, uh, but we were able to work our way through that. Um, as we look forward, uh, our first objective is to win locally. Um, but we do uh, uh, take those corporate actions uh, and use our portfolio to try and make sure uh, that we're generating US dollar uh, earnings growth uh, for our shareholders. Um, I'm not sure I could call the peak of the dollar. That would be a very risky thing to do. Um, <laughs> but it certainly, it certainly looks uh, at the stronger end uh, relative to history at the moment. What do you think about the jobs market right now? How difficult is it to hire people in the United States and then around the globe? Uh, the U.S. market has got easier. And when I say it's got easier, it's because last year it was very, very difficult. And at the moment, it's just uh, difficult. Um, uh, and I'm particularly in the, in the blue collar uh, end of the market. We had a lot of trouble with our bottling partners uh, in a number of uh, blue collar sectors, whether that be in manufacturing or in trucking. Um, there were many, I think it was well into the third quarter last year before we had a full complement of truckers so that we didn't have substitute managers driving trucks in our bottling partners. Um, so it's gone from very difficult uh, to kind of just difficult. We're still uh, hiring across a number of blue collar jobs. The white collar market, I think, is, is much more stable. Uh, from our point of view, we, we've been, we found it relatively straightforward uh, to attract really good talent uh, to come and work. Uh, so we see it on the road to normalizing. It's still tough but it's on the road to normalizing. Um, and then internationally depends where you are and how the macros are doing. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Um, you have been experimenting for a while in some of the alcoholic drinks businesses. And I know you've got things like Topo Chico where you're doing hard seltzers. I've been really interested by what you're doing with some of like the Simply Lemonade, some of the spiked lemonades and things that are going on there. Are these experiments, you think, going to turn into much bigger products lines for you? I know you've talked about how you guys are already doing everything. You've got the aluminum, you've got the lemons, you've got everything you need to put into these things. All you have to do is add the alcohol. Does it work? Is there a bigger market? Um, I, I think we've we've made a lot of uh, a lot of good learnings, whether it's the, the Topo Chico or the or the Spike Simply. Um, and I think we're starting to develop a view that there is uh, an opportunity for there to do something bigger. Clearly, uh, the next big uh, phase of this experiment is the launch of uh, Jack Daniels and Coca Cola. So Jack and Coke is coming <laughs> in a in a premix can. It's it started. Uh, in Mexico at uh, the back end of last year uh, with some very strong initial results coming to the U.S. Uh, through our partners in, in, in March this year. Um, and I think that'll be a kind of a big stepping stone for us to being clear on where could this all go. Rum and Coke, that was the first yep. alcoholic drink I ever drank. <laughs> and I assume <laughs> that's the market. So yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask, James. Mm -hmm. When you think about the market for those type of drinks, what is the, the age range which, which you think about? Uh, I think these drinks, these drinks are generally looking at people in their 20s and 30s. It, 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 it often adds uh, a new occasion. I mean, we've started with Jack Daniels and Coke because that's the most popular bar call uh, in the industry. Um, so if you're going somewhere where you're not going to the bar and you're not at home, um, then a premix can is, is, is a perfect complement. So it's really in that 20s and 30s range where, where you tend to see uh, the, the, the consumers who are going to find this most appealing. Um, and then there's obviously, uh, it's, it, it doesn't take too much imagination to realize, well, if, if Topo Chico Hard Seltzer works and if Spike Simply works and uh, Jack Daniels and Coke works, there are some pretty obvious other combinations out there uh, that we could continue to build out. Right. James Quincy. James, I want to thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. Next. 
on Squawk Pod, the final dramatic years of Sumner Redstone, the media titan who founded Paramount Global. We're joined by acclaimed journalist Jim Stewart, who wrote the book on it. He said, well, you know, I I don't want to die because I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to be judged when I meet my maker. Two and a half years after Redstone's death, private texts and documents reveal the manipulations and secret machinations of the man, his family, and all the characters in the CBS Viacom Paramount business drama. The board especially always believed the worst about Sherry and the best about Moonves. The sexism in there, again, the real-time comments, the remarks, they're like, oh, who cares about that? We all did it. It it was astonishing to me. It's real-life succession right after this. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Five, track pro in, stand by to roll it, stand Andrew by in three, two, roll pro, track, take, two, Andrew. The new book out takes us inside the backroom dealings and drama of a media giant now known as Paramount Global. Joining us is New York Times columnist and CBC contributor James Stewart. Good morning to you. Good morning. His new book is called Unscripted, the epic battle for a media empire and the Redstone family legacy. Um, and it is a real life version of succession in so many ways. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is. I, we thought in the beginning it was kind of the Me Too movement meets the corporate boardroom. Because it, it started is, as, a, as a Moonves book, it, I think. No? Well, Boonbez, CBS, corporate, you know, governance sort of thing. And then we realized, oh, it's so much bigger than this. And there's so many unbelievably interesting characters. It really turned much more into this family drama. It is very much like Succession, although I have to say, um, you know, Logan Roy has nothing compared to Sumner Redstone. The reality is so beyond anything you could dream of. So it is all very twisted. We were talking in the commercial break. Just, I mean, <laughs> all of the... so. If, if Sumner was alive today and he read this book, what do you think he would say to you? Well, I think he'd say it's accurate. Um, and, you know, one of the interesting things about Sumner is he, he was self-aware. I mean, he was always saying, you know, I'm going to live forever. But he confided in one of his many mistresses, if that's you what you want to call you it. You think he knew all these mistresses were taking advantage of him, which is basically what you, you, you appear to report? Well, late in life, you see he, he's deteriorating. And, you know, I'm not sure. I think part of the story is the vulnerability, which I think anyone could relate to as an elderly right. relative. But, you know, he he was self-aware for a while. And one of the things I found interesting, he said, well, you know, I, I don't want to die because I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to be judged when I meet my maker. And so he, he right. knew that there was a what lot of What do you make behavior. of the relationship ultimately between Sherry, his daughter, and him? Because there is some sense that I think she still loves him in many oh, ways. Yeah. And there's a deep there's a, that, that, that runs deep, but his view of her, at least during some moments that you report in this book, are horrible. so tortured and so horrible that it's almost hard to understand 
what those feelings could be like today. Well, that relationship is so interesting. And I think, you know, a lot's been written about fathers and sons, but not so much about fathers and daughters. And it's a very complicated relationship here. You see the gender issues, the sexism, his admiration for her at times, but then his, is it his competitiveness, his jealousy, his resentment when she actually succeeds or gets some credit for something. I, again, I think, again, anyone, particularly women who have struggled with, you know, relationships with their parents will find this really uh, interesting and rich. But I can't explain it, Neon. I'm not a psychologist. Um, when you think about what's happened to Paramount and CBS today, which is right. to say they've been merged back together, uh, that's something that Sumner Redstone did not want to happen, something that Sherry did, and it's clearly something that Les Moonves didn't want to happen, which was his undoing to some degree. Definitely. How will that be measured? Well, I don't think there's really any doubt that Sherry was right about that. I mean, scale in, I mean, the, the business is going through upheaval, as, as everyone who watches your show knows. And scale is important, and they needed scale. They should have merged a lot, a lot sooner. Right. And the you think they should have merged a lot sooner, or you think that they could have sold off one of the businesses four or five years ago when valuations were at a completely different place? Well, it's hard to, to rerun that. They would have been better off merging and selling the whole thing when valuations. Could they have you know, sold off CBS? You know, maybe. But I think Sherry was probably right. Merge them and sell them. And by the way, I think most people still think it probably needs to be sold. It's, it doesn't really yet have the mega scale of a Netflix or an Amazon or a, right. a Disney Plus. But um, I do feel Sherry has pretty much been vindicated, although as we all know, the market has turned viciously against the whole streaming model and that's what all these companies pin their futures on. Yeah, and, and if you look at Washington right now and the regulatory environment right. for any sort of a merger or a deal, what Yeah, what I mean, like the mean? obvious t obvious candidate would probably be something like Netflix that doesn't have a studio, but you know, trying to combine a broadcast network, a big major Hollywood studio with a giant, you know, tech company like that, I don't, I don't see that, that happening right now. Update us on Les Moonves today. Well, you know, Les Moonves is, was very popular. He was, you know, named the most powerful man in Hollywood before his downfall. He still has many friends out there. I, some of my friends have said, look, I don't really kind of know what happened there, but he really helped me in my career. I, I would never count him out. I mean, obviously he's lying very low. But he has the support of his very popular wife, Julie Chen. Yeah. Is it Moonves Center? Is it still the Moonves Center at USC? Uh, no, no. He's 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 out. He was stripped. Here's the thing that I think it's like that a lot Stadium. of folks really want to know, and you and it, it's painted in the picture. It's painted in the in, in the book. Do you believe that when Les went after Sherry, or effectively said, "I don't want to do this deal," that that was his undoing, and that she did it? It was, because it, it's, it was definitely his undoing. And you know, we were really lucky that we got all of these confidential documents, the transcripts, the texts, the emails. I mean, somebody said no CEO is ever going to text again after reading this. But you see it in real time, what Moon, the agony Moonbeds goes right. through. And trying to, he decides to declare war on the Redstones at the same time knowing he has these dark secrets in his past. He had no option. He couldn't lose face with the board. But there's no question that that was, a, you know, frankly, a pretty insane strategy under the circumstances. Um, and it did prove his undoing. But it, it's not because of what Sherry did. You know, there were all these rumors that Sherry, you know, planted these stories. Well, that's about the that's women. what I'm asking. You. No, there's no truth to that. I, I tell you, one of the fascinating things is that the board, especially, always believed the worst about Sherry and the best about Moonves. And I had so many rumors to track down. I wasted so much time. None of them actually turned out to be true. She did not 
not plant those stories. She heard the rumors. She passed them on to the board. The reaction of the board was disgraceful. The sexism in there, again, the real-time comments, the remarks, the like, oh, who cares about that? We all did it. It, it was astonishing to me. And, and that's, I think, the, the idea that you have the texts and the emails right. and so much of this that goes back. Yeah, we have such a, all this original material. It's like you can't really, you know, argue with the facts because it's right there in print, you know, transcripts, emails. Exactly. I, I thought I knew this story until I started going through your book. And <laughs> it, there's so much more there that it, it, you, I wouldn't believe this if I saw it in succession on HBO because it doesn't seem like it's possible. It can't be this bizarre. The truth is stranger than anything anybody's made up. Yeah, well, I, my jaw dropped so many times. And I, look, I've been a reporter a long time, and I've seen a lot. And I, I kind of think, well, this is one of the great things about being a reporter. You just think you've kind of seen it all. And then, oh, my God, something else surfaces. And I, right. it was during the pandemic. Fortunately, I had a co-author because we'd call each other back and forth and say, can you, right. can you believe that? We needed somebody to talk to. Rachel Abrams. We should Yes, yes we should mention Rachel. To both of you. And, yeah, who did a fabulous um, job. Definitely deserves uh, a lot of credit for you guys are amazing together. and well, thank um, you it's, it's it, great uh, to see I, you. I don't think i'll ever write a story like this again i kind of hope not <laughs> jim stewart the book is called unscripted thank you and that's squawk pod for today thanks for listening you are all our valentines squawk box is hosted by joe kernan becky quick and andrew ross sorkin Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.